Well, hello again, and uh, welcome back to RPG Quest, the podcast where we do not play D&D. My name is Chris. I am your host, your keeper, but as always, the, the real stars of the show are our players, and joining me on this scenario, this adventure, is uh, Brendan, aka Outlaw Panda. Hello. Yup. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Are you ready to uh, descend into some more madness as we play Call of Cthulhu? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. <laughs> I um I just had a little nap this afternoon and now I went down to the corner and got myself a beer. So yeah, I'm ready to uh ready to roll. Yeah, let's do it. So where we last left off, our detective Jack Cassidy alongside uh Rodrigo Vargas, who uh is a partner in this um local uh antiques shop, antiquarian in uh, the French quarter of New Orleans. His Co-owner, partner, Francois Avedon, had been ill from the store for the last few days. Now, Francois Avedon was um, is a bit of an expert in the occult, and uh, he had been approached by the victim, the deceased, Peter Gavin, earlier in the week, who'd been inquiring about this, this yellow sign that you've now seen uh, kind of popping up around New Orleans. Uh, Francois Avedon went back to his home, to his personal library, to try and find a particular book. And since then, well, he hadn't been seen or really heard from. And as you and Rodrigo approached Francois's home, from through his front door, you heard the, uh, I guess, the insane ramblings you could describe it as, as he talked about the king in yellow. He sees all and that this is his city now. And then uh, the ramblings faded off, leaving you and uh, Rodrigo Vargas standing there on the other side of this locked front door. I think Jack immediately looks at Mr. Vargas with um, a lot of concern on his face. I mean, that was a serious rant. And, uh, you know, he pulls out his pistol, possibly to bash the door if, you know, as a tool if needed. Uh, so he looks at him. Do we need to get in there? Listen, I'm concerned for your friend. Uh, yes, uh, let's, please, um, but is the pistol really necessary? Oh, this is not for him. I'm not going to hurt your friend. I'm just concerned he's not alone in there, and uh, we got to get that door open. Doesn't seem like he's just going to open up for us, and I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be able to take that door off the hinges with my bare hands. So what are you going to do? Well, I suggest we uh, ask him to open up one more time, and if he doesn't, then I'll try to smash that handle off. He bangs on the door. Oh, please. Open up. We've come to help you. And no response. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then uh, Jack takes a deep breath and asks Mr. Vargas to stand back. Um, and he's going to take his pistol and slam it down right on the, the side of the handle of the door, see if he can pop it. Yeah. Give me a strength roll. This time uh, you can have a bonus die using your gun to the butt of your gun to assist you. So you can roll twice. Oh, man. All right. So that's a fail. Um, Crit fail. So good chance. Oh, my oof, God. Uh, yeah, the second's a fail. That's uh, 94 versus 50. That's, that's a bad fail. Uh, yeah, you you bring down your gun on this uh, 
you know, the the doorknob of this this heavy sort of French door, and as you bring it bring it down, it's like you just hear your gun sort of crack a little bit, sort of pinch your hand on it, and uh, there's no budge. Oh shit! Well, this is sturdier than I expected it to be. Uh, nice, I mean, nice uh, architecture here. Nice build. You know any other ways in? Jack starts to look around for windows or a back door, some other point of ingress. Says, yes, let's go. And um, yeah, as you move around away from the front door, um, there is a, a, a sort of a French window, you know, a couple of feet just from the front door. You could try and uh, try and get open. <laughs> oh my God, the, the ridiculousness of trying to smash open a door handle when there's a French door right there is just excellent. Um, all right. I'll go over to the to that one and see if it's open. <laughs> um, give me a give me a luck roll. Oof, <laughs> that's a ninety four versus thirty three. Uh, that's another fail. Good. Let's get these terrible rolls out of the way first. Um, yeah, these these French windows are uh, uh, locked and the the blinds drawn. Okay. Um, hmm. Maybe let's try a little more subtle approach. They wouldn't have credit cards or anything during this time. Um, all right, maybe I could use the notebook that I always have with me, um, like the cover of it. Maybe it's thick enough or strong enough to slide between the door jams and, and like Jimmy, Jimmy the lock. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, give me a sleight of hand, please. Oh, there we go. That's a four versus ten hard success. Oh wow, yeah, you take the one of the maybe the back sort of cardboard of this notebook, slide it through the door, and as you lift it up, you hear the little hook lock unhinge and the windows creak slightly as they begin to open. Right. Um yeah, Jack takes a minute to holster his pistol with the I mean the handle of which is probably now cracked. Uh, but he doesn't want to look threatening, so he puts that away uh, and then gestures to Mr. Vargas to Take a step inside as he pulls the window open. Yeah, you um, these these windows open outwards. They're quite large, so um, as you pull them open, there's there's plenty of room for you to just step through into the house if you go first. Uh, Rodrigo will follow. All right. Um. So as we enter, what's the scene like? Uh, are there any lights on? Do we hear anything? Um. Yeah. What do we see? Uh, the lights are off and the windows are drawn. There's just a small amount of daylight creeping through now in the the crack in the the curtain as you step in uh to what is a, a kitchen um it's not like messy or anything you know it's just dark um and as you sort of look around you hear footsteps and uh within a matter of seconds you're just around the corner you see this um short man he's sort of got thin cropped brown hair a small mustache these small eyes that look incredibly hollow um, behind these wire-rimmed glasses. He's wearing nothing but a dressing gown. You can see stubble starting to show through on his chin and face. And uh, in his hand, he holds uh, a Luger semi-automatic pistol that he points up towards you with a stern expression on his face. He says, do not come any closer. Oh, and Jack immediately puts his hands up. Mr. Avedon, we are not here to cause you any harm. Quite the opposite. Your partner was very concerned for your health. We're here to check up on you and follow up on a couple leads. Are you all right, sir? He still tightens his grip around the gun and he says, He's here, you fools. He sees you. He knows that I am here. You must leave now. Leave. Whoa, um, all, all right, just please calm down. Sir, uh, 
point your weapon away from me, sir. We'll leave. But, but first, please just explain who's here. Give me... This isn't going to be psychology. This is going to be a psychoanalysis role, please. As you stare into the eyes of this madman. Oof. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, I've got a one. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. 37 versus one. That's a fail. He keeps the gun trained at you. And then he looks at Rodrigo and looks back at you. And he says, you bring this stranger into my home. He is an agent of him, the king. And uh, yeah, he takes a step forward, still like the gun in his hands pointed at you. Rodrigo with his hands up as well says, what are you talking about? Please put the gun down. And he says, no, he has come to kill me. And yeah, you see his grip tightening around the gun. Yeah, uh, Jack keeps one hand up and very slowly starts to reach into his coat and, and says to him, I'm just getting my notes so I can show you. I'm a detective. I'm not an agent for whoever this this king in yellow is. I am just looking for answers. I am here about Peter Gavin. Give me a... I'm going to say whatever you prefer. Persuade, psychoanalysis, or fast talk. Let's go with fast talk. That's an 86 versus 70. That's a fail. Okay. Do you want to push or anything? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, all right. I'll push. I'll push. Um, I mean, I mean, if I fail now, he, he maybe shoots me. But if I fail, he shoots me maybe. So I may as well push. <laughs> yeah. As you sort of reach into your pocket, you see him like squirt, tighten up all his muscles, like, you know, clench as though he's racing to shoot. Oh, man. All right. Um. On the push, that was 26 versus 70. That's hard success. Um, but you kind of take another step forward and reach in and pull out this notebook. And as you do, he clicks the hammer back, but then sees in your hand a notebook. And Yeah, hold up the notebook so he can clearly see it and slowly start flipping through my notes um, back to the first page where I'd first started taking notes about everything I know about Peter Gavin and offered towards him at, at like an arm's length so it doesn't seem like I'm trying to like charge him or trick him or anything. Just, just you know, uh, give, him the, give him the proof. Uh, and, and Jack slowly nods. As I said, I do not mean you any harm. He um, takes the book from you and says, uh, The newspaper man. Yes. He does not know what he has gotten himself into. Well, he's dead. Oh, I see. The king, he got him. One of the professors at the university told me, well, the official story from the police is that he jumped from this building. But the professor said that that's impossible. He must have been thrown from an airplane. There's no possible way he could have jumped. Like, I think it was 30 feet uh, from the building, and there's no way he could fall with that much force. I mean, how is that possible? So what is this you're talking about that he got himself into? It is the sign. It is the sign of the king himself. Hastur. And that, that symbol is uh, his eye. 
Someone in the city. Someone in the city is calling him. And he can see us. He can see through the eye. He can see through the symbol? Give me a luck roll, please. Ooh, 31 versus 33. That's a success. You realize in this moment that you have... Uh, oh, no, you don't. You didn't keep it with you. Never mind. No, you I locked it in the drawer. Good, yeah. good. Yes, great. Okay, we'll, we'll forget about that. I, I forgot. I thought that maybe you had it, uh, still had it in your pocket or something, the, the drawn symbol of the yellow sign. No, it's fine. Perfect. Um, he says, um, I would not recommend reading this book. It drives everyone insane. It is uh, the king in yellow. And he goes to sit down. It is a French play. It was banned. Most copies burned. Because uh, everyone was driven insane who saw the play. I thought it was just a story. But uh, when I went to find my copy in my library, I saw the sign and it called to me. And I could hear him. I could... I could see him, this yellow king. He's already in New Orleans. Gavin must have discovered this. This is why he was killed. Listen, there's a lot of things out there that I know nothing about and don't understand, and I'm willing to accept that some things you just can't explain. But a play that drives people mad, it's a little far-fetched, don't you think? I mean, I, I met a man painting these symbols, and he was strange. And I saw something in it that I can't put words to. But it's just as likely that people are being drugged or brainwashed or something, and maybe they got to you. You're calling me. Have you eaten or drank anything strange recently? Somebody give you a gift, maybe? I know what I saw. I saw this symbol. It adorns the cover of the book. I knew I'd seen it before. No, I'm telling you right now, this king, this yellow king, he is here. And my advice to you will be to leave this city while you can. Is this king by chance a voodoo man? Some folks call uh, Pop Screech. I mean, I've met him. He was painting this symbol on a float. He said he'd made quite a few of them, uh, giving them to friends and various people. He is the man painting this symbol. No, he is not the king. The king is not of this earth. The stories in the play, being uh, an entity who brings his city death and destruction to our world. Carcosa. Carcosa. Where have I heard that before? Listen, I know you think that this play is cursed. It's some kind of evil magic or voodoo something. But there's got to be something we can do for you to, to help you, sir. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to need to see that play. Give me a persuade. Alright. Oh, that's a 4 versus 10. Hard success. He says, um, no, no, this symbol. Don't you see? It is his symbol. 
I will not take it out. He can see through any version of the sign. I'm sure of it. And uh, Rodrigo Vargas kind of stands up and he says, Francois, if you give this book to me, I promise that once we have a look at it, we will destroy it completely. And uh, Francois sort of puts his gun down and puts his head in his hands. And he says, uh, please just be careful. And uh, he begins to lead you out of the, out of the kitchen and uh, upstairs, down a hallway and to his bedroom. And uh, he sort of opens up his walk-in closet and you see him moving some, some you know, shoe boxes and stuff. And then uh, takes out this one of these shoe boxes that's in a stack in the back of his walk-in closet, pulls it out, opens it up, and you see um, in there is a bunch of bullets, uh, a stack of cash, and uh, uh, yeah, this this well, what looks like a book, but it's been wrapped in paper and bound with twine, and he's sort of shaking as he goes to remove it from the box. Please, when you open this. Make sure you are somewhere safe. Thank you. I assure you I will. Um, listen, do you have any friends or family, anyone close who can be here for you that you can lean on? You seem like you could use somebody to talk to, my friend. I will not put anyone else in danger. Leave me for now. Please. He sort of moves over to his bed and sits on it. Yeah, um, Jack gets his notebook and again writes his number. Um, and you know what? He, he writes the number for Charlie Sundstrom at the paper as well and says, If you need anything or if anything happens, you call this number and you reach me. And if you can't reach me, you call this man. Now he runs the paper. Um, I forget which paper. One of them out here. But we'll get someone out here. He takes the, the the page from you and doesn't say anything. And then um, Rodrigo sort of moves a little bit closer and says, uh, Francois, I will come back to check on you tonight, okay? Please just eat something. Take a shower. You'll feel much better. And uh, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks up and kind of makes eye contact with, with Rodrigo and then nods a few times before falling backwards, lying down on the bed. Yeah, um, Jack will give him one last look and uh, sigh heavily and gesture to Mr. Vargas and, and head out. Um, although I think he'll probably take a little bit of time, like, like not meander, um, a little time to look around and see if there's anything else that could be <laughs> like triggering this, uh, this madness. Yeah, give me a, um, give me a spot hidden. That is 42 versus 50, a success. Yeah, as you sort of move, um, maybe taking your time a little bit, Rodrigo Vargas sort of, you know, he leads the way, sort of walking out towards the front door, um, leaving you to kind of just sort of scope and look around. Um, the place is just like a little bit dusty and smells a little bit stale, but it looks as though he just has had the windows drawn for a few days and hasn't left. There's nothing that jumps out at you that could be, you know, causing visions or uh delusions or insanity you don't see any signs of of drinking you don't see any signs of drug use all right 
Um, on the way out, I'll make sure to pull any curtains or, you know, anything that we had opened, uh, as it seems to, I guess, be calming him, maybe. Yeah. Shut the window that leads into the kitchen and uh, draw the curtains again on the way out. And uh, Rodrigo Vargas kind of waits for you, the front door, the front door open. Yeah. Um, step outside. Well, it could be worse, but your friend needs a doctor. Yes, I was thinking this. Perhaps I should call the hospital. Maybe they can watch him for a bit. It might not be a bad idea to send somebody out, at least for a little bit. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go inside and use the phone. Um, and maybe wait here for a bit, okay? Thank you again. Take the book and, yeah, shake his hand. Yeah. So... Where to now? What is Jack uh, thinking in this moment? It's still early, of course. This is um, first thing in the morning. You know, it's sort of still grey and there's a bit of morning rain. The sun's hardly up yet. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the day and, you know, the right kind of hours to start following up on some of those uh, other leads. Well, I think... After a little bit, he had heard from Papa Screech. He's probably most interested in visiting Fowler. But... Hmm, maybe... Yeah, uh, maybe I go for somebody a little more agreeable first. So, take a second to check the notes. Hmm. Would probably be Dennis Bouchard, the party boy. Ah, right. All right, the, the chairman, the gambler. Exactly. Um, you don't get the idea that Chet Creighton, who's the uh, the uh, oil baron, um, the oil roughneck, would be uh, you know quite as uh, quite as friendly and hospitable. Not that he would have any reason to you know in your mind you know would have anything against you, but just seems like a bit more of an abrasive personality, at least on paper, according to Gavin's notes. Oh yeah, I mean. Specifically, it says tough guy, and uh, watch out for Barbara, beware of Barbara. All right, yeah, um, let's check in on Bouchard. Yeah, no problem. Fashionable home in the Garden District. Hmm, collector of fine antiques. Could use that. Yeah. All right, all right. Before I leave, uh, I'm gonna... Yeah, he's inside. Hmm. I think Jack's going to almost want to see if there's some kind of antique that he can get from them to, to bring to Bouchard. Like, to catch his interest, you know, to get in the door. Mm. You can head back inside. Yeah, let's let's see if Rodrigo is willing to at least loan something. Yeah, okay, so you're going to head back into uh, Francois' home? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as you... Uh sort of jump over, climb over the gate again and uh, walk back up to the front door. Um, do you knock or do you just got to open it? I'll knock. Yeah. After a, a second, um, Rodrigo Vargas, you know, the large figure opens the door and says, oh, did you forget something, Mr. Cassidy? Uh, unfortunately, I did. I know you're looking over your partner um, and I'm sorry to bother you again. I just, I was going over my notes uh, and my next lead seems to be pointing me towards Dennis Bouchard. I understand he's a collector of antiques, and maybe you've done some business with him, or if not, uh, perhaps you have something that might pique his interest, that you <laughs> might be willing to loan me. 
uh, I don't know. I don't usually do these kind of things. I'm, I'm no antique collector myself. Maybe you have some suggestions. Um, something to loan you, you'd give it back. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'll get it back to you. He sort of adjusts his um, glasses. He says, well, I suppose you have been quite helpful with my friend. Hmm. Maybe I can find something around here. Give me a luck roll, please. Oh, yeah, that's 67 versus 33. That's a fail. He, um, yeah, he, he sort of says uh, one moment. He allows you, you in as you just kind of wait in the, the, the foyer area of this, of this house as you hear some sort of like footsteps and clanging and some bits and pieces. And then um, after a moment, he comes back with uh, like a little glass figurine of, uh, it seems to be like French noble woman. It's clearly blown from like blue, yellow, and sort of white stained glass. This um, this this glass figure of this woman. It doesn't look like it's like super rare or expensive. It looks a little gaudy to you, probably. But it's like a, it's something you know. It's about uh, ten inches high. It's something to to stand on a dresser or a table. It's got this big frilly you know collar. It's wearing this tricorner hat um, with this big dress that flows out really wide. Um, doing this kind of, you know, alluring pose. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he passes it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, the, the minute Jack has it in his hand, he, I guess he kind of looks at it. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I guess gives him a look like, are you messing with me? Uh, but he says, uh, is this uh, part of a set or rare, um, something i should show him and say there's more he can buy or i mean what's your suggestion on this um yes uh why don't you uh, i mean it's french i guess why don't you tell him that there's a set or something that you can uh it can see more if he likes it oh, that'll work um as i said i'll get this back to you but Seeing as it's glass and occasionally days go poorly, what's the value of this? Says, um, I don't know. Eighty dollars? Ah, wow. Um, Eighty dollars. All right. Um, well, I'll absolutely keep this safe and I'll return to you as soon as I can. Thank you for your help. No, thank you, Mr. Cassidy. Ah, I mean, Jack will take out his handkerchief um, and kind of pat it and wrap it and very gingerly place it in uh, like the vest pocket of his coat for now. <laughs> yeah, tip his cap and I guess climb back over the fence and get back in his car. <laughs> awesome. Uh yeah, as you sort of have this uh I guess two things that are wrapped up now, this this gaudy figurine and um the other thing is this which you haven't looked at yet. Um this book, this play, this French play. Yeah. Um Wither? Were there glove boxes in cars in the twenties, or I mean, would it need to go in the trunk? Or uh, yeah, I assume, I assume so. Okay, then yeah, he's gonna lock the book up immediately, um, somewhere safe, glove box or trunk, wherever it's wherever it needs to go, safe enough to be locked up. Probably put some papers over it in case somebody does try to rob him, so it's not immediately obvious. Yeah, no problem. You put the um, you putting the the book in there and and uh, locking it up. Yep. Start up the car and head towards the garden district, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. You pull out and begin driving towards uh, the home of uh, Dennis Bouchard in the in the Garden District. As you uh, as you get there, you almost question whether or not you're in the right place. As you begin driving around it, it's the whole thing is surrounded by this eight foot high stone fence that's kind of crawling with bits of uh, ivy. Um, there's a locked gate out the front of iron bars, and the whole thing is is about the size of a, an entire city block. And as you sort of look through the the gate, um, you know, within the walls, you can just see beyond it like a, a large garage. Outside in the driveway, two gleaming roadsters. You can see like a, a few, like a tool shed, a few other pieces. And then the mansion is this three-story Victorian affair. It's got like Greek and, and Gothic motifs. And uh, on the iron gate itself is one of those yellow sign placards tied to it. Yeah, I mean, again, Jack will take a minute to kind of note that down uh, and stare at it with the concern that it might be some kind of evil eye. But, but shake that off of me. It's, it's the ravings of a madman. Before he uh, drives up, he's going to take a minute. Take off his vest, uh, loosen the collar, change ties, roll up his shirt sleeves. Maybe, maybe a different tie, even. Um, yeah, drop his coat. Try to slick back his hair a little bit. You know, look a little bit different. Nothing, nothing overly different. You know, he's not going to change his appearance, but, but a slight difference, you know. Trying to make yourself look a little look a little neater and tidier, is that the plan? Yeah, a little greasier, a little bit more like a salesman. Ah, uh, yeah, awesome. Nice one. Um, yeah, um, you need to, to step out of the car because there are these locked iron bars. And as you sort of look at them, they're definitely locked. Um, so you can't just drive up to the front of the mansion. But uh, there is a little bell there. As he steps out of the car, he's going to put on his biggest fake grin. Um and kind of prance up to the the gate. Ring the bell once, uh, look through the bars, and, and just start waving. Yes. <laughs> um, you see this woman. Actually, give me, roll me just a straight D100, if you can. That's a 62. 62. No problem. Um, yeah, you see this woman who appears to be a, um, a housekeeper, um, quite well-dressed, done up, very stiff-looking older woman, um, begin walking up walking up the, the pathway towards the, the gate there. And as you sort of do this, this smile and this wave, um, she has a frown on her face, sort of scowling at you as she gets closer. She doesn't shout to you or anything. She waits until she gets all the way um, right up to the sign. She says, Oui, yes. What can I do for you? Good morning, madam. I am Jameson Avery, a purveyor of fine antiques. And I had uh, heard recently that your employer was a man who might be interested in such things. A collector, as they say. And so I thought I'd drive my way down here and make an introduction and maybe we could get to know each other a little bit, do a little bit of business. Well, he's not here, so I'm afraid you must leave. He is out. Uh, he, he's not here. He's attending to some business matters. He must be a busy man to be out this early in the day. Well, will he be back soon, perhaps? I mean, I can wait. <laughs> you can give me a fast talk. All right. 47 versus 70. That's a success. She sort of looks you up and down. She says, um, if you wish to speak to Monsieur, you must come back later. Oh, absolutely. I understand. That's not a problem at all. But could you possibly tell me what time to be back later? I would hate to miss him. I do not know. He is working on the Mardi Gras festivities. And uh, 
you can tell that she sort of looks uncomfortable as she sort of says that. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, you can sense like that she's, uh, that she sort of breaks away from eye contact as she says that. Yeah. I mean, again, he's just going to shoot her like the biggest grin he can. Um, well, he does sound like a busy man. I mean, working on Mardi Gras festivities. Now, perhaps I could drop by and give him a hand. I mean, a busy man like that, he, he can use some friends in the world, and I am absolutely sure that, that we are going to get along famously. But looking at this place, I mean, this is a... Are you keeping this place up by yourself? Now, you must be doing a wonderful job. And like wink at her. And she sort of looks disgusted and says, No, I have servants that I must maintain to. Now, I cannot give you any information as to where Mr. Bouchard is. If you wish to speak to the monsieur, you must come back later. Now, I will bid you adieu. And adieu to you. And thank you for your time. Give me one final luck roll. Oh, that's 44 versus 33. That's a fail. Yeah, no problem. As she turns to um, walk away, I'll probably say um, you're, you've got pretty good psychology uh, I think, right? Um, yeah, 55, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 as you sort of broke our kind of degree, I think you kind of get the impression perhaps that um, reading what this guy's about, he's probably just been out cavorting, you know, all night and hasn't come home because it's still quite early. Hmm, yeah. All right, well, I guess getting that feeling, Jack would probably pull off the road a little bit, a little bit further down, um, and he's he's going to wait. Yeah, maybe 30, 45 minutes. If nothing happens in that time, he'll he'll start scoping the place out. And yeah, you're sitting there just oh, incredibly bored, but just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And uh, after about half an hour, you see this roadster turn around the corner, going like a little bit too fast and kind of drive very close past you as you see this figure with... Uh, driving glasses and gloves on, slick back hair, curly moustache, hoon past you, then pull in to the gate. Yeah, Jack just smiles to himself and mumbles, and that'll be the prick. All right, uh, back to it. I'm going to wait another, like, five minutes. Uh, so he's not, like, immediately showing up at once, and then go back to the gate. Yeah, you see him stumble out, um, like, you know, almost tripping over himself, open the gate and drive in. And then, uh, yeah, a few minutes later, you straighten yourself up, head down, and I guess uh, ring the uh, ring the bell again. Yep, ring the bell again. You see the same woman that angrily sort of walk out, um, trying her best to to keep a straight face as she um, heads towards you. Uh, you're back so soon. I told you, uh, Mister Bouchard has business to attend to. Oh, yes, ma'am, and I understood that, but I was just down the road a little bit looking over my inventory, and I saw an absolutely gorgeous roadster fly by with a handsome man at its wheel, looked like a man of means, and I, I thought to myself, now that must be the master of the house, so surely it's a good time to uh, come on by and knock at the door. Okay. If you wish to sell him something, I will fetch Monsieur Bouchard, and she turns and, and begins to walk away. Oh, much obliged. You are just a dear. Would you mind getting us some tea while you're at it? Uh, we might be a little while. <laughs> um, she doesn't respond. She just sort of, with a frown on her face, heads back to the towards the mansion. And uh, after a few moments, she comes back and uh, doesn't even say anything. Just uh, unlocks the gate and opens it for you. Yeah. This way, monsieur. Yeah, please lead the way. 
And again, I must say, what a truly fine estate you have here. I mean, look at that architecture and these gorgeous well-kept grounds. They don't make them like that anymore. She doesn't say anything as you um, sort of awkwardly walk uh, back to the mansion. And um, yeah, as she uh, gets to the front door, she sort of looks you up and down one last time and sort of looks at the doormat expectantly. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. He wipes his feet on the doormat and like maintains eye contact and like smiles at her. And then she says, uh, oh, one moment, please. And she, um, yeah, she steps away, leaving you in this, this grand foyer of this, this house, you know, it's full of, um, full of artwork, gaudy things, um, you know, lots of, uh, uh, red lush, uh, you know, sort of wall tapestries as a, a carpets, very eclectic taste. Um, some things French, some things from sort of all over the, all over the world, uh, the East and the West. And, uh, a few moments later, you see this, um, yeah, this, this youngish man, slick back, brown hair, thick eyebrows, blue eyes, this curly mustache wearing this, uh, wearing this green suit, a white shirt as he sort of, um, steps out in front of you. Short man, but, uh, quite attractive as he, um, sort of smiles and he says, um, well, hello there. Dennis Bouchard. Mr. Bouchard. And he uh, extends a hand. Yeah, I mean, he emphatically shakes his hands, like like both hands shake uh, and grins. Mr. Bouchard, it is a pleasure to finally meet you. I am Jameson Avery. Well, Mr. Avery, what can I do for you? Oh, have you not heard of me, sir? I had uh, believed that perhaps my name had traveled further than my feet. Now, I've only recently arrived in New Orleans, but uh, I'm a purveyor of fine antiques by trade and a man of luck in the cards by choice. Although a gentleman of class does not indulge from time to time. And, you know, he, like, gives a, a fake big head laugh. Give me a, oh, yeah. Give give me a fast talk, please. Oh, that's an 80 versus 70 fail. Ooh. Okay. He sort of, um, sort of looks at you up and down and he says, Well, you can't be too much of a gambler if I've never heard of you. <laughs> so, what? You're here to sell me something. Try and scam an honest man out of his wealth. Is that it? Scam you. Now, sir, <laughs> I would never. Um, <laughs> that is not my business. I'm not one of these copper bag of salesmen going around. Uh, that is not what I do. Although I am quite wounded to hear that, that you haven't heard my name. And I assume it's just because we don't run in the same circles. And I would absolutely adore to change that. A chance to play cards with a man such as you would. Uh, but <laughs> to business, uh, to business first. Now, I had heard when I arrived in town that you are a man of quite elevated taste, and looking around your mansion, I can see that it's true. Now, I have come into possession of some very rare things. One is a set of figurines that I thought you might be interested in. Hmm. Well, let me see it. Yeah, all right. Um, so, very gingerly and slowly, like like making a show of how delicate it is, he's going to, you know, take out the, the figurine and slowly unwrap it and, like, you know, let it let it shine in the light a little bit and, like, you know, really overplay how valuable it might actually be. <laughs> Lend an awe to it, you know. Now, this piece is something truly special. I mean, the craftsman, now, he went blind, but it's one of a piece of a set. Only one in existence, and it is crafted of the finest crystal. Hmm. Let me just, uh, yeah, he sort of like um, puts his puts his hand to his chin and sort of cocks an eyebrow as um, as he looks at it. I am going to make a roll for Mister Bouchard. 
So that's a 98 for his uh, <laughs> for his appraise role. He says, oh, oh, oh. Well, that does look quite beautiful, I must say. Yeah, may I, may I hold it? Oh, of course, but do be careful with it. It is singular, as I said, and, and quite fragile. Though on its own, it holds a limited value. I mean, you do really need to see the whole set. But I thought to myself, well, I would drop by and give you a peek. Start a conversation, as it were. Yeah, and just overly cautiously, way over cautiously hand it to him, as if it's like a holy relic. And he, uh, yeah, he holds it up to the light and sort of clearly trying to um, not look stupid. He's like, oh, oh, yes, yes. This is quite, quite beautiful, I must say. Uh, French, no doubt. Hmm. Wonderful. While you're in this sort of just just waiting in this, um, you know, in the foyer of the mansion, you see a few more servants sort of like come and go, kind of moving around in the background. Obviously, the ones that care for this quite this large estate. He's like, and you say you have a whole set. Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. A full set. Um, And I would relish the opportunity to talk about that at length. And I think there are quite a few things we could discuss. But perhaps we could move this conversation to a more positive incline, something like a terrace or perhaps a smoking room, somewhere a little more private. We could discuss matters without your your help floating about. Now, I'm sure you have the finest help, but but it is uh, unseemly to flash things that they could never hope to afford in front of their faces. Don't you agree? Give me another fast talk, please. <laughs> That's a 19 versus 70. That's a hard success. He says, well, have you ever had... A Bloody Mary? A Bloody Mary? No, I don't believe I have. Is that some sort of uh, alcoholic concoction? Well, it is a tincture that will rock your socks, Mr... What was your name again? I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, Jameson. Jameson Avery. Jameson Avery. Well, Mr. Avery, you are in for a treat. And, you know, he, he sort of, like, gives you a, a, a very brief sort of tour of uh, tour of the house as, as the two of you head up to one of the many... Um, one of the many terraces, you know, in this this mansion up on the second story. You sort of get a look through. There are, you know, probably um, something along the lines of a dozen housekeepers and servants um, all sort of moving around, sort of looking after this place. Uh, he kind of, you know, orders a few of them around and gets some, uh, get some uh, uh, drinks sent up to you, to the terrace as you, yeah, as you, you sit out there and some patio furniture and kind of overlooking the estate and... Dennis Bouchard actually puts on a little record before coming out to join you. He's sort of quiet there for a moment. Um, so he sort of sits there and has a sip of this uh, this Bloody Mary that's been brought out. And you see this, uh, yeah, this red drink of uh, tomato with a with a huge celery stalk sticking out of it, um, placed down in front of you. Yeah, I mean, Jack will take a sip of it, probably a small sip at first, um, but then, like, you know, go out of his way to exclaim, Mmm, now that is a kick in the head, isn't it? I feel like this could just shake all them cobwebs out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, at first I, I was thinking about prohibition. It was the most awful thing, you know, trying to ban... Uh, people from having a good time but uh you know what i kind of like it makes me feel a little bit naughty well there is something to be said about exclusivity i mean something becomes rare people want it more ain't that the truth absolutely 
he says as he kind of looks down at this uh, this this glass gaudy glass figurine again. Um, yeah. All right. I, I'm just trying to figure out how exactly Jack is gonna like go about this. I, I feel like at this point he kind of thinks he's convinced this guy that they like have a conspiracy together. You know, like they're they're quickly becoming old friends. So I think he's gonna like lean into that before talking more about the figurines. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna like gulp the Bloody Mary this time. Oof. Well, I will say, uh, when I first came over this morning, it, it was a bit of an ordeal. Um, I wanted to make sure that you were the first person I introduced myself to in town, sell some of these wares, but I had a time of it last night. It was my first Mardi Gras. I did not know how these things are. Now, when I was talking to people about some of the festivities that are to come, somebody had mentioned your name. Now, I heard you're one of the organizers of this event. Now, that is amazing to me. Oh! How does a man get to be in that kind of position? Such power. Yo. <laughs> oh, please. If I didn't know better, I'd say you were trying to, uh, trying to sweet talk me. Listen, you ain't somebody unless you're, uh, part of the exclusive organizers of the Mardi Gras. Actually, do you have plans on Mardi Gras Day? Oh, well, I mean, just as of now, I do not. Well, you must simply come to our party. Mr. Well, one of the other organizers of the crew, Mr. Fowler, he's going to be uh, having a, a masquerade ball on the night of Mardi Gras Day. You should come. A masquerade ball? Now, ain't that just the thing? I don't think I've been to a ball on a dog's age. I would absolutely adore that. Now, can I bring a guest? Well, sure. As long as they're attractive. <laughs> well, you got anybody in mind? And he, like, smiles at him. Oh, I gotta keep some of the ladies for myself. Well, fair enough. I can't blame you there. Uh, but what's this, sir? Uh, what's this group you've been speaking about? It does sound awfully exclusive. I mean, I understand if you can't talk about such things too much... And he, like, uh, flashes some vague symbol, something that looks kind of like what, like, maybe Freemasons would flash, but, like, not quite right. He says, um, oh, no, no, it's just, uh, it's really just a power influence thing, you know? You know, everyone who's of someone gets involved in one of these crews, helps organize the festivities, throws some parties, puts together a float, that kind of thing. It's just a little bit of fun, really. Me and a couple of fellas... One of the fellows will. That is incredibly gracious of you to in, to invite me to uh, to such a party. I truly, I truly appreciate it. But let me ask. I mean, I hate to ask, but let me ask. Will they be? Well, uh, any games of chance, cards, roulette, anything like that at this party? Yeah, I'm sure we could organize a little backroom game or something, something. <laughs> uh, yeah, bigger at that. Oh, well, let me tell you, probably my first night in town. Um, oh, I'm losing track of days. It must have been three days ago, maybe maybe, maybe four. Anyway, I was playing cards with these gentlemen, and uh, this, this one fella, he had this book. Now, he had busted out. I mean, we didn't even leave him a watch left to play with, but uh, now he had come back with this, uh, this book, some, I mean, rare play or, or some such, he kept claiming how valuable it was. I, I didn't see it so much at the time, but, I mean, the luck was with me. You gotta win what you can win, am I right? And, of course, I do mention it, because it might be something else I'd be willing to part with. And I did my research, and when I was looking into it, it turns out it's some kind of, well, if you'll believe it, like, um, we'll call it manuscript. I mean, it's a play, but it's banned. 
which led me to believe that it was more valuable than had I won a few dollars. I mean, dollars come and go, cash is easy, but something like that with a rarity is more interesting to play for. You know what I mean? He says, show, show. I'm not really one for books myself, but you got more of those, uh, more of those antiques. Well, I mean, you got a warehouse or something? I'd be happy to come check them out. But uh, yeah, if you bring something of value to the game, then of course that should do for a buy-in too. If you don't have the coin on you. <laughs> oh, I do have some cash flow, although it is a, a little more limited than I would like. But absolutely, you can count me in. And those figurines, now we will get you that full set. Now I assure you at a very reasonable price. I must say, you did truly wound me when we first met and you were, you were insinuating that I was some kind of con man. Now my daddy would absolutely turn in his grave to hear such accusations hurled against his own blood. But I won't hold it against you. I understand you do have to be cautious. Oh, don't take it personally. Give me a psychology roll, if you, if you like. That's a 47 versus 55. Success. Yeah, you, you could tell he was kind of glossing over a bit at your story about the book and stuff. He was, he was just kind of looking at the figurine and kind of sipping his drink. It didn't register with him as, as anything significant. Um, all right. Realizing that, Jack is going to give it like one more chance to try to see if he can get this guy talking a bit. Uh, yeah. So I guess he like smiles at him, drinks his drink a little bit more um, and says... Well, now, I do believe we have found ourselves a, a bit of a deal and a cord on those figurines, and I will make sure to coach you a, a fair price. Um, I, I couldn't give you one now without you seeing the full set, of course. Um, and I am more than overjoyed uh, by your kind invitation to the ball. And I hate to bring it up again, but I would, I would just die to deny you an opportunity. And that book I was mentioning, well, it has a strange symbol on its cover, quite distinctive. Um, and when I was driving up to your fine estate, I did see the exact same symbol posted up on, I believe, your gatepost. Oh, so it's a voodoo book then. That symbol is uh, a good luck symbol in voodoo, you know. A little something to help with the cards <laughs> and the ladies. Brings luck. Well, then perhaps I shouldn't part with it. Maybe not. I don't know. Has it brought you much luck? Well, it certainly didn't bring luck to the man who lost it to me. <laughs> I guess not. Voodoo, though. I mean, I don't mean to offend, um, and I do understand that some keep to the old ways, you know, how things were before, uh, but you don't seem the kind of man to indulge such flights of fancy. Are you saying that voodoo actually holds sway down here? Oh, <laughs> give me a fast talk, as he sort of laughs. Ooh, seven versus seventy, that's an extreme success. He says, no, 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 I have not seen any proof of anything like that. <laughs> not like Fowler taking part in those silly seances. Fowler? Now, I believe you mentioned his name earlier, but seances? I always thought that was old wives' tales. I mean, I believe so. You'll meet Fowler at the party, should you come. He's uh, one of the organizers of the, uh, well, the Curl Swords. He's the one hosting the masquerade on uh, Mardi Gras night. You see, um, you know, he's falling in with one of those uh, uh, voodoo priests or witch doctors or whatever they call themselves. They say that, uh, well, <laughs> you're going to find this a little silly, but uh, he's put Fowler in contact with his uh, wife and little girl. Um, you see, they passed just on a year ago. Oh, now that is a shame. Horrible thing, man losing his family like that. Absolutely crushed him. Well, I can understand how in trying times a uh, man might turn to 
any sort of comfort he can find that would bring him closer to, to his loved ones that he dearly misses, but, well, I mean, I hate to even say it, I, I feel, I mean, right a bastard, but, I mean, do you take any stock in this? It sounds to me like uh, some kind of confidence game being run on him. Maybe, maybe. I did protest this, but uh, Mr. Randall, well, he believes in it. If it brings him some peace of mind, well, I guess it's not really my place. Well, uh, that is true. I suppose if it's bringing him some form of uh, closure or comfort, then uh, we should allow such things. You're, you're a good friend to, uh, well, to allow your, your partner or your associate such, such flats fancy. Yeah, I suppose I am. And he takes like a final sip of his uh, Bloody Mary. Um, you know, you see the drink ending and he sort of stretches and says, Well, I hate to be rude, but um, I do have things to do. Oh, not at all. I do as well. Uh, absolutely. There are only so many hours in a day. Uh, but I thank you again for your courtesy and your time. And for this absolutely delectable drink, I will have to have one of these again. I will look forward to seeing you at the soiree. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, make sure to get you an invitation uh, on the way out. If you uh, wait by the front door for me, I'll meet you down there in one moment. Oh, absolutely. And I will inform your madam, well, your, um, I'm not sure what to refer to her as, the, the lady downstairs who seems to be taking care of the house and the head of your, your help, but I will give her a phone number so she can reach me about meeting up for those figurines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. The figurines. <laughs> yeah. Listen, don't worry too much about Mrs. DeCamp. She can be a little bit of a stickler, but, uh, you know, she gets the job done. Keeps everyone on a tight leash. <laughs> oh, bless her. It's hard to find good help. And, uh, yeah, he sort of like, um, you know, leads you down the hallway and sort of gestures for you to go downstairs, um, leaving you for a moment. So you sort of head back down to, the, well, leaving you to head back down to the foyer. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... I think Jack is going to kind of swiftly move downstairs. Uh, he's he's definitely curious to look around a little bit more, see if there's anything else he can find, but he like he's really happy with the uh, the information he's gotten so far in the invite and probably doesn't want to endanger that. I mean, he's not going to move as though he's in a huge rush, like he he doesn't want to appear uncomfortable. He's going to swagger. Um, but yeah, he'll get downstairs. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, and as you're sort of waiting down in the foyer, um you know, a few servants sort of um we're also sort of like passing through, coming and going. One of them, a young, young woman kind of um, gives you a polite smile as she, she moves through the, the foyer there and sort of gives you a little nod. Oh, yeah. I mean, he fashions her a big grin and, and nods back. And uh, yeah, she moves off and then um, you hear some uh, cursing, some, some harsh snapping uh, in French and Spanish. And then you see uh, Mrs. DeCamp move into the foyer and um, she passes you this, um, this letter. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, so, all right, both hands again to take the letter, and he almost, like, bows to her, uh, maintains eye contact and smiles. It was an absolutely wonderful day to have met you, madam. And she um, gives you a nod and a, a smile, and then her face instantly turns back to that sort of harsh scowl as she uh, waits for you to leave. Well, I will see myself out, but I do hope to return sometime soon uh, and enjoy the estate's gracious company. Uh, and, yeah, he, he, like, again... Gives a slight bow, turns and goes. Yeah, as you're, you know, walking back out uh, towards the front gate. Yeah, you see a, a, another one of the servants in the yard appears to be a, a groundskeeper, um, just tending to tending to the gardens as well. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Hmm. Again, I don't want to break my cover here um, by lingering too long. <laughs> so on the way out, he's going to like spin around, you know, get one last look at the house, you know, look like he's like really just kind of taking the whole the, the grandeur of the place in. But really, he's trying to see if there's a way to like sneak back in at a future point if he needs to. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Give me a spot hidden. No. 93 versus 50. That's a fail. Yeah, there seems to be a, a lot of activity going on at this point. It doesn't seem like a, a great place to try and get back into and sneak around. Um, you see, like, uh, not attached to the mansion, um, you see a large garage um, and, like, a big latticework summer house um, that's kind of suitable for parties, sort of in the front yard as well. Yeah, all right. Um, he'll he'll go out the gate um, and go back to his car Um you know, get in, <laughs> lock the door. As soon as he's sure nobody's looking, you know, make sure he, like, ducks that figurine back in the glove box so it doesn't break. Um, take a couple quick notes, then probably, like, grumble to himself, you know, as he does. Ah, more money than sense. Well, that was easier than I expected. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look over that invitation to the party. Yeah, yeah, you pull it, pull it open and written in this, um, you know, beautiful handwriting, there's the address of uh, Randall Fowler, you know, cordially invited to uh, the, the party of the season, his uh, Mardi Gras masquerade, you know, of course it's a masquerade party, so the, you know, the formal attire required and mask required kind of thing, all the details there on the back of this, um, yeah, of this embossed invitation. And... I guess that's where we'll uh, where we'll leave this episode for now. As you're sitting in the car, looking over this, figuring out where to go to next. Well, we'll see you next time. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. See you next time. <laughs>